This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, we just had Richard Whitstock in the studio. Richard Whitstock just left the building. Super excited about that conversation with Richard that we will be featuring today. That's right. Richard, we should say, for people that don't know, principal, uh, co-founder of Domus Homes, one of the developers here in Vancouver that has a very interesting vision and take sure. on how they build communities. And, uh, you know, he's a fascinating, fascinating guest. Well, I, I should say we, we wanted to have Richard on. We've wanted to have him on for about probably the better part of a year. Right. Um, and we're so excited that we actually got, got him in the studio today. It was a, it was a, it's a really, really interesting conversation. Also, we should say that we're huge fans of Domus Homes and, and the type of product that they're bringing to the marketplace. Yeah. Um, super exciting stuff. And, uh, we, you know, we, we did actually, we should say, we did have them on the Vancouver Presale Condos podcast, our other podcast, talking about their development called Ovation in uh, Thriving New West. Thriving New Westminster. And uh, and actually, you've helped clients purchase there. I have. I've been through the display center. That's a that's a phenomenal project. It's the kind of building that you want to live in. Um, I'll let Richard kind of talk about it. And you should really check out the Presale Condos podcast because... It, the amenities in that building, second to none, and uh, it's it's rooftop like the, stuff. Like the, so like the Woodward's amenities. If you're living in that building and you can't get yourself to the gym, I don't know what's gonna gonna get you to the gym. Speaking of that, hashtag Matt, goals. How are your New Year's goals? 
<laughs> you look felt. I am. I'm uh, so far so good. We're How's two, yoga for guys that can't do yoga? We're we're two weeks in. Yoga for guys who can't do yoga has. Uh, I, I started it in November. Sure. There was four of us. Uh, now Down there's to zero. No, no, no. Now there's like twenty of us. I really? Think this is all the New Year's new me type stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm, ever, I'm one of the originals now. I'm like an have you original any, OG of uh, of uh, yoga for guys. Are guys. asking you for tips? <laughs> yeah. How are you touching your knees? I'm yeah, like, yeah. That's week three, John. <laughs> You're only on week one. Are Are you actually talking? Have you made any friends? No, no. It's a very yoga's it's not a yoga's not a place where you talk. Very, like this is one of the things I've realized. It's like a it's kind of an antisocial environment just because it's very quiet and right, uh, right. You know, the only thing I've said to people is Namaste. Namaste. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually had a really interesting story for me about, because we're in the habit of uh, body shaming each other. Right. Well, that's we, how we, we, hold, we hold each other accountable. It's just consistently putting each other down and yeah. making ourselves feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, one of the things that we, we talked about the other day was when you, like, so when most people look in the mirror, they tend to have a little bit of body dysmorphia where they see not the reality, right? They see usually a, if they're thin, they might see a little bit, like they look a little bit chubbier. They think their body doesn't well, here, look great. Here's the thing. You have the opposite Well, of that. no, no, no. There's a cartoon, right? I think everybody's seen this cartoon where it's like a husband and wife sure. are standing in front of the mirror and it's like the wife who's like in super great shape looks at herself and, and she sees like this schlubby, uh, overweight mess. Right. And the guy who is genuinely a schlubby, overweight mess sees himself as... as like, like a bodybuilder. Yeah, like a bodybuilder. So yeah. what happened to me was when I was trying to figure out uh, earlier this year, I, I got to set my goal weight, right? Right. Which you and I are actually in competition as we speak. We are. We are. We'll one one that on the podcast. 170, 170 or bust. By March 15th. Yeah. So my concern when I thought, oh, I got to, you know, I got to drop like 10 pounds is this healthy right for my for my body you're like, gonna waste like, away yeah is this maybe a doctor would say like whoa you're being too aggressive right so i i googled it and the body mass index turns yeah. out um not only is it healthy i'm overweight right now yeah you have no idea and how fat you are and it turns out when i hit 170 i'm still borderline overweight sure <laughs> So you've actually been you you've had this warped perception of your BMI. I thought I yeah that people would be like Jesus you know you start eating man what's wrong with you? It yeah. Turns out I'm actually still overweight. Yeah, and I haven't even reached that goal. I'm nowhere near. You know what you should do is uh, maybe get on like a Reddit thread where you let other people evaluate your body. <laughs> get like uh, I think you need an objective community to analyze your BMI. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's something I might consider. <laughs> don't blur your face uh and we'll have a link to it in the in the show notes uh but before we get to our conversation with richard which i'm really excited about um i i did want to mention we did pass 200 ratings on itunes we 200 are at, reviews 204 reviews now 204 reviews that was one of our goals and we've now hit it we've now hit that goal we were supposed to hit it by the end of last year we just missed it we we hit it on like january 5th. set your goals high though you'd be surprised and uh if you guys uh if you enjoy the show if you take something away from the show please do head over to itunes or wherever you listen to the program give us a rating uh we read them all Google. we're really excited about it and it helps us grow this show um and also get in touch but last but not least is we also have some amazing resources on our website vancouver real estate podcast.com if part of your goals for 2019 is either to buy or sell real estate 
I mean, most of you have probably heard of our real estate research tool on our website, Private Client Services. Right. But I've been talking to a lot of people over the last couple of weeks that are thinking, you know, spring, summer, fall, they're going to buy or sell. One of the things that people don't really consider is we can set up searches for your current home. Right. So you can monitor what's happening in that market as well as the market you want to move to. So it's a super effective way to get a sense of what's going to happen in 2019. So Matt, you're telling me that I can actually set up my property search and I'll actually be able to see what like my neighbors, people in my building, people in my immediate area are selling for. That's right. You can monitor that market while you're looking for a new home. And you get the sold prices, which is phenomenal. And it comes to your email as an alert, so you'll never miss it. That's right. Um, this is all at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But without further ado, Matt, why don't we cut to our interview? It's a good one with uh, Richard Whitstock. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Richard Whitstock, principal at Domus Homes. How are you doing, Richard? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure. Maybe we'll start, Richard, uh, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm uh, uh, born and raised in the in the Lower Mainland. Grew up in Ladner, South Delta. Graduated from Delta Secondary School. Nice. Um, first and foremost, uh, you know, dad to two awesome kids, and and I've got a beautiful and brilliant wife, and and uh, spend a lot of my time coaching soccer and chauffeuring my kids around to to soccer and other activities. So so that's um, you know the most important thing in my life. But then uh, beyond that. Um, grad of uh, UBC Sauter School of Business uh, and uh, 1992 and 25 years later um, built a decent career in, in the real estate industry and, and a decent company that I'm pretty proud of. No kidding. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, your company, Domus Homes? Yeah, um, pleasure to. So formed Domus with, with uh, my two partners who I'd known for uh, from early days in my career, um, Talal and Riyad Yassin, who uh, have also spent decades in, in, in the real estate business and in, in the lower mainland and investment business. And, and so we came together and uh, decided it was a good opportune time to, to build a, a new real estate development company that, that we thought could um, just approach development a little bit differently in the city of Vancouver and 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 the the lower mainland and uh, become a you know a force in the marketplace over time and and we've been working towards that goal now and and built a, a really excellent team of, of of professionals that we're really proud of and, and when you say approach development differently because I spend probably too much time on Twitter and I know you're you're fairly active on Twitter and I, I follow we follow you um, but but can you kind of flesh out that idea of of how you're approaching development a little bit differently than than some of the other developers in the city yeah I mean I think we try to ensure that every project is a win for the community as well as you know pencils financially for for us and our partners um, we want our our residents and our our employees and and everybody to feel good about what what we're building so for example we've got a couple of rental buildings that we're working on right now that'll start construction in the next couple months one in marpole and one in um, central lonsdale where we're really we i don't want to say pioneering but really adopting a uh, a different model than the typical sort of double loaded corridor uh, hyper efficient rental building 
that that you see we're we're building our buildings around an open courtyard with open walkways and a big central staircase to encourage walking to encourage the neighbors to get to know each other you know they come out into out of their front door onto the walkway and overlooking the courtyard they see their neighbors you have those random interactions that uh, really encourage um, community and combat that that social isolation that that has become a bit of a an issue now for for people living in apartments so we're really trying to do rental buildings a better way um we call it you know we've called it pro-social design Mm -hmm. um city of north vancouver has a specific sort of policy document that's that's really good called uh active design active design guidelines active living we came upon that sort of by accident but it was exactly what we were intending to to sort of put forward and so yeah we're really excited to bring those buildings to life you know the other projects that we're doing you know we really seek to uh make sure that we've got a mix of housing that that supports families um supports affordability we've got non-market housing in in a number of our developments um integrated into the project so it's it's those sorts of things it's right. you know it's it's a trying to build an excellent product first and foremost for the end user, but then also try to achieve really superior urban design at the street the level, you know, the pedestrian realm, activate it with great retail space, great restaurants in, in a mixed use development, um, you know, uh, open plazas and just nice, improve the streetscape, improve the life, the vitality on the street and, uh, you know, achieve just make sure that the building contributes positively to its environment and community. So right. it's not just a, a building, it's a community that's a, you know, yeah, that, I mean, that you're building in a lot of ways. what we're trying to do, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or or just integrate well and, and support and and, and enhance the, its surrounding community. Right, right. So, Richard, I'm, I'm kind of struck by, so you come out of Sauter School of Business. Um, were you focusing on real estate or how did you get your I start was. in real estate? I was. So, yeah, it's, you know... To an extent, I was I was born into it, even though I didn't really realize it. Um, my dad was a realtor. He started out as a bricklayer by trade, um, but then uh, through injuries and uh, needed a change of career before I was born and uh, started to work with Henry Block back in the day in the mid sixties. Brothers, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. in the in the in the mid sixties, and uh, uh, then moved out to to South Delta, the burgeoning. Uh, new commun- farming community of Ladner and uh, in a, into a new subdivision. And uh, then I came along. And uh, so, you know, a little bit of kitchen table education there. But really, that wasn't ever going to be my career path, I, I think. You know, now looking back on it, all I wanted to do was, I thought I was going to be an architect. I was playing with Legos and stuff. And then I went to business school um, and and figured... You know, I probably specialize in marketing or something like that and climb some corporate ladder. But literally, I think the week before um, we had to declare our options in in uh, our major between, you know, the middle of second year, it just hit me. And it's like, I've only always wanted to build buildings. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So I was 18 years old at the time and and been on that path ever since. So um, selected urban land economics as my major. Um, you know, had incredible profs at UBC, the legendary Stan Hamilton, who I think had taught my dad through his RIBC courses, you know, and uh, 
then graduated in 1992 in the middle of a recession. So it wasn't the easiest time to, to find work in, in real estate development, for sure. Um, I ended up with a job at uh, Burgess, what was called Burgess Austin at the time, an appraisal firm, um, and uh, really had great mentorship there from from Jeff Burgess and Sandra Colley. And, and I um, really just made it my job to learn everything about every development going on. And, you know, they, they allowed me to work on um, new development, mostly feasibility studies, um, you know, new development, construction financing appraisals. Yeah, I got to the point where I knew every condo project and rental project in the 1990s in, in Greater Vancouver, f- for the most part, like the back of my hand. And, and it was an incredible education. Um, so did that for a number of years and then ended up going to work uh, with one of my clients, a major development company. Yes, VP uh, became VP of development there, and uh, did that for about ten years, and then then started to think it was time to head out on my own and and forge my own path. So, can, can you talk? Just I'm just struck by. So this is kind of post Expo, early '90s. You're coming out of school. What was the gen- general sentiment like? What was the feeling of the market at that time? The '90s was out? really difficult. I mean, it was a really bad recession in 1992, 1993. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it really lasted a long time, a good six, seven years, really till about 1999, I think was the bottom of the, of the market. And, uh, you know, then there was change in government. And I think yeah, people had had enough of the sort of the dark days of the 90s and, and sort of 2000, 2001, things started to really turn. And that's when I made my move into development and and we've really been on a, you know, eighteen-year up cycle since then. Do you, do you th- do you think that there was value in kind of cutting your teeth in a down market? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think you know you've seen I've seen all these cycles before now, right? And I can always you know you you, you get that memory and you can relate it back to, you know, the city has changed so much. The 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 whole environment, culture of the city, and the the demographics, everything has changed. Uh, immeasurably since then, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to have that memory and to really hone your skills. You know, I remember Avatar Baines coming to talk to us in in uh, you know fourth year before we graduated, and he said, "You're gonna you're gonna look back and you're gonna be glad that you graduated in this difficult environment because it's gonna make you stronger in the long run." I don't know if that's true or not. I've you know people that have graduated ten years later, I think had a had a big head start. <laughs> yeah, that uh, they weren't complaining anyways. <laughs> yeah, they weren't they didn't enough to grind away like like we did for sure. for ten years waiting for the climate to change. But right. And and just uh, on that kind of note of you know obviously we're we're definitely not in a, a recession right now but it it seems like uh, a lot of people are talking about later this year twenty twenty what are your thoughts on kind of the current climate I mean the macro climate is I think quite a bit uncertain right now I think uh, I, you know for the rest of the world I, I, let's just put it this way I'm very very happy that we're in Vancouver. Uh, we seem to be insulated from a lot of the the things that go on in in uh, in the broader sort of global context, sure. uh, and we always have been to a significant extent. Uh, I think you know we benefit from a flight to safety that uh, when when things are going sideways in the rest of the world, as they seem to be everywhere right now, 
Um, I think, you know, from a macro perspective, I think we're we're sort of coming towards the end of this uh, credit tightening cycle, this interest rate tightening cycle. I think by 2020, I think we'll, we'll, we'll likely see interest rates start to move back down. But I for actually, Vancouver, you called that, uh, I think, on, and again, this is just following you on Twitter, but I know you were one of the voices I remember maybe six months back, eight months back, whenever it was, where people were still talking about 2019 there's going to be, you know, three, four, easy three, four interest rate uh, increases. And you were saying, you were already calling that it was kind of near the end of the the tightening. I mean, nobody has a crystal ball, right? Yeah. But I just, you, there's just too much uncertainty in the world right now. Uh, you know, central banks would love to be able to raise interest rates so that they have more scope to lower them when things do start to slow down. But I think, uh, I think they've run out of time on that now. And I, I think that... Uh, yeah, as we can move into 2020, I think I think we'll start to see them have to be supportive of the of the of the economies. I mean, things are challenging in China right now, challenging in the U.S. The U.S. is still running okay, but definitely really challenging in Europe. So I, you know, you just look around the world, and there's there's really no economy that's really doing super well right now. Mm-hmm. So, so Richard, maybe back backstepping a bit here so when you when you were working in working with other developers um, before you went out on your own um, you talk about your partnership with two other uh, colleagues how did how did that all come about and and maybe even speak about you know going out on your own because you were on your own for a while before you partnered up right that's yeah that's correct um, so yeah coming out of uh, out of uh, sort of the major corporate uh, development job and in 2010, um, you know, we'd just come through the the recession, and and uh, it was time. You know, I was I was t- getting close to turning 40, and and sort of said, you know, it's now or never, right? I either stay here and retire here, or or start something new and have a good, hopefully, 20, 25 year run uh, with something new. So so I started small with some duplex projects in kits, uh, and did. Uh, development management on contract for uh, for the salient group uh, for what was supposed to be, you know, a three-month period um, while I set up my own business and ended up being a four-and-a-half-year commitment. And we built the Trap and Holbrook project in, in downtown New West, which was really a great opportunity to get back to New West and, and um, help with the revitalization of Columbia Street, I'd had a, a summer job between third and fourth year university, like tw- almost 20 years to the day prior, working for the downtown New Westminster BIA, uh, cataloging all the commercial space in the downtown core. And my office was turned out to be right next door to what became the Trap and Holbrook project. So I felt it was it was pretty funny coming full circle 20 yeah. years later and, and being able to uh, help with the revitalization of, of Columbia Street. So we built that project and and uh, at the same time was sort of working on other other projects and then ended up forming Domus after that, as soon as we, when we finished Trap and Holbrook. Um, yeah, just started talking to some old friends and we decided, yeah, it's, let's do this and let's let's put our our energies and, and skills and and uh, resources together, and we formed Domus. Right. And, and can you talk, I'm kind of interested in that partnership. Um, is it, 
did you recognize kind of different skill sets amongst the three of you or did you come at things kind of similarly or, or why did why was it a, a a good fit in your mind. Yeah, I know very much. So it's it's complementary skill sets. So so my partner Talal has uh, has a uh, his his core competency is on the finance side on capital raising. Um, he's not involved in the day to day management of the of the operations of the business. Uh, my other partner Riyadh is uh, is uh, has had thirty to forty years of experience in development and construction and. Um, in in the Vancouver marketplace, um, and and he his focus is is leading our construction group, and then I've my background is more in in the front end, the development, the acquisitions, the the design and approvals process, and so we bring all those skills together, and 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 it's worked really really well. Excellent. Um, so Richard, um, it sounds like you were kind of you you naturally you were oriented towards. Um, you wanted to build stuff when you were a kid. Um, what do you like? Why real estate? And why do you why do you like real estate? Like, why did you choose real estate in general? As I said before, I, I mean, I just I, I really like buildings, and I like everything about them. Uh, and and it's been a constant opportunity to learn. You know, initially at a, just a really superficial level of how does a building come together to really getting into the nuts and bolts of you know, mechanical systems and elevators and plumbing and landscape and, and all those things. There's so much to learn. It's a constant education. Even now, 25 years in, I'm learning new things every single day. Um, and it's it touches everything, right? When you're um, when you're trying to build a, a major development, you're you're involved in marketing, you're involved in finance, you're involved in, you know, the political side, the design, the approvals. Um, putting a consultant team together, HR, you know, it's just, it touches everything. And then engineering, design, trying to find the most efficient way to put a building together, architecture, just just everything, right? right? It's just such a broad scope. There's always something new to learn every single day. And uh, I think, you know, for anybody coming up, looking to get into the development business, I think, you can always find your your niche of the thing that you're good at or that that interests you. So that can always be sort of your entry point. For me, it was really market knowledge and really, um, you know, being able to conceive a building based on a sort of a market-based approach of what, you know, what does the market want in terms of efficiency? What is it willing to pay for um, to generate um you know, a, a, a profitable project. And, you know, it, one of the things that strikes me is we recently had uh, Gordon Price in here who, just a few thoughts on kind of your approach, said, you know, yeah, I'm interested in cities. I'm surprised more people aren't, right? And it's it, kind of development. It always strikes me as that as well because it's so multifaceted. It's so interesting. And then that idea of kind of creating the, a lived environment – whether it's a purpose-built rental or a condo environment, like you actually can really impact people's lived experience in for generations. Uh, like it's it's a fairly important work, uh, and especially in a city where developers generally seem to be demonized right now. Um, it, like it, people need to step back and kind of understand that. I think. Well, I mean, we feel like we're you know we're we're trying to build homes for people. That's the bottom line. These buildings have a long lifespan. You know, these buildings will be around for 60 years. 
Um, they need to, they need, you know, I need to be able to drive by the building at the, at the end of it and, and be able, or walk by the building, hopefully, cycle past the building and, uh, <laughs> and be able to say to my kids, yeah, I built that. Remember yeah. when we walked through that building when, when they were pouring the concrete, and, right. you know, and, and be proud of it. 10, 20 years later, I still drive by some of my first projects and go, oh, yeah, I learned a little bit on that one. And, <laughs> you know, we hopefully have, have evolved since then. But I'm, you know, proud of every every building I've I've had the the opportunity to work on, and and I think you know, as as you you, you just get better and better at things over time, and and uh, I think we're pretty good at it now. So, but overall, you know, I'm definitely a city person. I'm an urbanist. Um, I, you know, I believe that the only way forward for us, especially in an area like Vancouver, where, where the land is, is naturally, and then, um, through regulation, just really restricted the available development land. I mean, we have to, we have to build, uh, a fairly dense environment here. And so if people are going to live close together, um, in, in a dense environment, you have to build really, really good development, you know, mm-hmm. is that density done well you know mm-hmm. um you have to have high levels of amenities both public and and private amenities within each project it has to contribute to the street and you have to you have to um be able to walk past buildings and and have them feel good you know and have them be friendly to the street and and interact well and it kind of is keeping in that same line of reasoning. So maybe we'll move on to what what are some of the challenges, some of the biggest challenges, in your opinion, kind of facing Vancouver at this moment in time? Well, I really feel like uh, one of our biggest challenges is just getting projects built, getting them approved, first and foremost. I think, you know, that to take, you know, three years to get a building approved when you know, 10 years ago, that would have taken a year or 15 months, 18 months at the outside. Now those timelines are easily double what they were 10 years ago. I think that's a major problem because when we do have a strong economy like we have, we have a lot of immigration, we have a lot of people looking for housing, the market has to be able to respond. And if the market response is delayed three years, you know, you just see what happens to prices. And that's what we've seen over the, you know, 20 2015 2016 2017 the the supply just wasn't there right the supply was starting to get built but if we could have started that supply in 2012 2013 when the market was telling us to get going uh you know then it would have been there in 2015 2016 instead of now when you know that that wave of supply is just starting to hit in 2018 now i guess yeah. we're in 2019 now, 2019 right? <laughs> yeah yeah um the the idea that you know you you kind of come at um uh development as from a kind of reading the market market perspective kind of where where do you where do you see us right now um you know i a lot of people are talking about a lot of a lot of the supply that the market was calling for in 2012-2013 actually coming to fruition here in the next couple of years just a general idea of your take on the market right now and kind of in the short term, medium term here. Yeah, I mean, sort of looking forward to 2019, I'm I'm really bullish on the market. I think this is a year where for us corporately, we're going to be looking to aggressively make acquisitions. I think that our opinion of the market is now more in line with land sellers' opinion. I think there's a bit more overlap, whereas mm-hmm. before we were here and they were there, 
now I think we can probably, you know, have a have a better uh, shot at, at at refilling our pipeline. So so uh, we're very bullish. We think that uh, you know the economy is still really really strong. Our local economy it's it's driven by uh, very strong job growth and very strong immigration. We've got something like three million square feet of of office buildings, class A office buildings under construction right now in downtown Vancouver. I took a look. I mean, that's like dozens of condo towers worth of, or rental towers worth of workers that'll be in those buildings. I mean, really there's no, from the, from the sort of the, the underlying economy and, and population growth. I mean, there's still massive, massive demand for housing. You know, we've we've undersupplied the market now since the global financial crisis to the tune of something like thirty five thousand units. Uh, we'll have a couple years of decent supply here in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. But you know, we've seen housing starts already start to to tail off a bit. Right. So come twenty twenty, you know, I think we're we're still going to be in a significant shortage of housing. So um, from a developer's perspective, you know, we we we. The market is is telling us we need to build more housing. Uh, I think the market right now, I know we've seen sales uh, trace back a little bit. It reminds me a lot of 2012, 2013. I think we're sort of, that's a a decent analogy for where we are right now. You saw the same sort of headlines in the newspaper in 2012 and 2013. And and by mid-2013, you know, people can sit on their hands for six months, nine months, but with population growth and job growth, people need to live somewhere, and eventually, that takes over, and and the people have to make a move, and 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 they can't keep living in, in their parents' houses forever, right? <laughs> yeah. they, so um, we were actually just talking about that the other day at the office, just about the. It feels a lot like 2012 right now, just even on the ground level of putting deals together and how challenging it can be with financing and everything that's basically going on, just keeping deals together in a lot of cases. Um, that's a really, really good reference point, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, as I mentioned before, I think we probably see interest rates moderate a bit. Uh, I think the government has probably shot all its, and, and all, I'm not just talking about provincially, but municipally, federally as well. I think they've sort of shot all the bullets that they have in their gun yeah. now. Um, and uh, yeah, ultimately, market fundamentals take over and people need housing. So uh, I think by, by you know, early, and we've had a very strong, um, start to the year. We, I think part of it might be the beautiful weather, but I think with the change in the year, uh, our, certainly our sales staff are, are seeing much greater traffic, greater optimism. That, so that seems, I mean, I, we're, we're just a couple weeks in, but the consensus from the people I talked to, like November, December was kind of crickets, I think right? people had written off the year. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And it does feel like there's a, there's an energy that wasn't, wasn't well, there. Well, the opens are, for, opens are busier. People are out and calls are up, yeah. um, at least, you know, in our, in our, in our brokerage and from people we're talking to. And it, it does seem like, I, I think right now uh, it's inevitable that there's going to be inventory coming in spring. Uh, but it does seem like they're at least right now in the first in the near foreseeable future there seems to be an uptick in activity to kind of beat the inventory that might be coming. Yeah, I mean inventory is always you know new listings. As I've, I spend a lot of time, I'm still a data nerd, right? I spend a lot of time looking at this stuff and new listings every year. They're very predictable. They follow almost the exact same pattern every single year. It's and 
but what we what we're hap- what's happening is we're starting from a very still a very low base of inventory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even if sales are soft, um, we at the worst we'd be in a balanced market. I think right. So there's not there's absolutely no impetus that I can see that you know that that w- would push the market down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not saying that that I think we're going to see a rip roaring. Uh, spring like we did it last year or the year before, but uh, but I think you know we're we're looking at pretty balanced market conditions over the next six months. I would say. So if Domus is looking at acquisitions in 2019, it sounds like um, what areas we know you're excited about New West. Uh, what other areas are you guys really excited about in in Greater Vancouver? We really are focusing now. I mean, there's demand everywhere, right? People want to live in every corner of the, of the lower mainland. I don't think there's an area where you'd say, oh, geez, yeah, don't want to be there. We are focused on areas where we think we can get projects approved efficiently. Um, so there's some areas, I'm not going to call out any municipalities here, but they know who they are, um, <laughs> where people really, really, really want to live there. And we know we could sell product 10 times over, yeah. but we don't know how long it's going to take us to get a project approved. And and so uh, so that's really our focus is municipalities like the city of New West. I always say I really love working with the staff and the council um at the city of new west they are they uh understand the good that development can do but they balance it off against the community's needs and requirements i think in general uh the community there has seen the benefits and and revitalization that that development has brought to the new westminster community over the last 5 years and they balance that off with you know trying to ensure that um, that gentrification doesn't become a problem and, and uh, that people in the, the lower um, sort of older rental apartment buildings are, are protected. So uh, they take a balanced measured approach, but they, um, you can count on, you know, when they tell you something that, that, that is uh, the way it's going to be and it's mm-hmm. sort of clear direction. And, and um, yeah, they're just so not to keep hyping new Westminster, but, but I've, I've, I'm working on a lot of projects there. We've got a thousand units in the pipeline in behind our current project right now, and um, just really, they're they're a good group to work with. So maybe switching gears here a little bit, Richard. Domus Homes does uh, purpose-built rental. There's, we obviously sell <laughs> um, condos, townhomes, single-family homes. Don't I, we don't know as much about purpose-built rental? But I just had a couple questions for you what's the attraction to to purpose-built rental well so for me when i when i when we formed domus you know we intentionally wanted to um we're taking a really long-term view with with our company and and you know we look at the companies that have been around for a long time and how they've uh, been able to build really extraordinary financial strength and a lot of it is is um, through building that portfolio of of income properties mm-hmm. over time, whether it's warehouses or apartment buildings or office buildings. Um, so that was something that we intentionally wanted to to do as well to um, sort of smooth out any lumps in in the for sale market to to still be diversified and have 
uh, the rental projects going just so that for our staff, they always know that, uh, you know, there's always going to be something to work on mm-hmm. and we'll be able to keep busy. And if the for sale market slows down, then we ramp up the rental side and vice versa. So it just helps us attract and retain really good staff. It's sort of a nice byproduct of it, but really it's, it's uh, just wanting to be a long-term owner in this marketplace rather than, you know, in projects, you're always trying to get in and out as quickly right. as possible and turn over that capital. Um, the rental is a different ball game. You know, we, we're putting 10-year mortgages on our properties and we intend to keep them for decades. You know, we're building buildings that we're going to keep. And so we're looking at, you know, just really A locations that uh, that we want to be in for the, the next 25 years. Right. And is the, the are the challenges in terms of getting a project built kind of, is there a lot of overlap uh, between the two? Um, it's interestingly seems to be more challenging to get rental projects approved for some reason. It's unbelievable, wow. it, right? It, you know, like, so our project in Marpole, um, it complies with the Marpole community plan um, really to a T, um, but it's still been a three-year process. You know, we acquired that land in, in June 2016 and it's going to be spring 2019 by the time we're actually under construction with you know with the the processing time that has been the rezoning the development permit then the building permit it's it's yeah it's not helpful okay richard so we we've kind of we've talked about um obviously developing we've also talked about um uh, purpose-built rentals how about your own uh interest in in revenue properties and real estate so do you do you have rental properties yourself or are you an investor yourself on the side of what uh, you do in domus yeah i was more uh, more earlier in my career so you know one of the the best pieces of advice i i got was was from jeff burgess who said you know just save your money invest it and put it away and you know one day you'll wake up and you'll be sitting on something significant and, and i wasn't sure exactly what he meant by that at the time but looking back you know i think it's hard when you're you know 25 years old thinking well i'm gonna you know take out my rsp and buy this condo and you know you can't read the future so you think well you know it might go up a little bit but you know i'll be paying down my mortgage and that but um so so that's sort of where i got my start in in investing i did know that if i wanted to be a developer one day i had to have a bit of a balance sheet because you know even if you're building with other people's money they're not gonna you know put their trust and faith in you unless you have some of your own skin in the game so um so yeah, I started with uh, buying my first condo from Bob Rennie in in 1995, 96, um, the, uh, downtown Vancouver. Bought a couple more uh, in 1999. Really, what turned out to be the bottom of the market. Uh, one in the same building, um, and then one in uh, in Surrey. Uh, that was a leaky condo, but was uh, really that's something else that we didn't really talk about. The '90s was that leaky condo, yeah, right. <laughs> that was, you know, just to add insult to injury of that of that time period. When I look back, um, anyway, so I digress. I yeah, ended up buy, buying a couple more condos, and then as I got um, uh, working in, in development, I tried to retain a condo in in or two in in every project I worked on, more or less. And so yeah, it did ultimately build up a. A decent sized portfolio of condos um 
you know, never had enough money to buy an, a, a, my little dream South Granville apartment building, you know, 10 units all at once. So I did it sequentially over time and, right. and built up a little portfolio. Um, that as, you know, as I've now have a family life and, and a company and, and just don't have the time to manage those. I've, I've ended up selling a number of those units. I still keep some, a uh, few, but, uh, but my focus now certainly is much more on, on the purpose-built buildings that we're doing and, and retaining that as, as sort of personal corporate sure. investments for the future. Um, but, but really it's, it's, yeah, it's that con the building up that portfolio of, of condo investments, which enabled me to, to do my first duplex project in kits. It gave us, you know, the financial ability to do that on our own. And, and it strikes me, um, you know, that uh, for a lot of people, especially kind of aspiring investors or people that have one or two doors, you know, over the last five, six years, it's been pretty easy to buy because you're in a, a market that's rising quite quickly. Um, and, you know, everybody's really happy to pull the trigger. With the market kind of softening here, can you talk, do you have any advice for people like you were buying condos in 1999, which, as you just mentioned, was kind of the bottom of the market in, in kind of a market where there's a little bit more uncertainty? Uh, do you have any advice for those folks out there? I think, I mean, somebody said to me, you know, just buy as much real estate as you can afford as soon as you can uh, and get yourself into the market. And I know that sounds completely self-serving, but that was the best piece of advice I ever got. Um, so, you know, and I, I obviously I looked at the rental income. Yeah. I think you have to look at cash flow. That's that cash flow is, is the most important thing. Um, and it's challenging these days because cap rates are quite low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you uh, you know, that's really, you have to start somewhere. Right. Well, I'm always struck by the the saying, you know, it's not so much timing the market as time in the market, right? That's true. Uh, yeah. Or the best time to buy real estate is 20 years ago. Second yeah. best time is today. Yeah. yeah. All, we, kinds of, all kinds of great real estate cliches, all yeah. right? <laughs> we should mention we have coffee mugs with sayings on them that we just got. <laughs> um, uh well, maybe we'll we'll leave it there. But um, Richard, can we've got this segment called the Five Wire? Can you stick around for that? Sure. Okay, excellent. So, first question is: What is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Well, I live in Kits, uh, and I do that by choice. I love Kits, so that's tough that, to be Kits. That, yeah, it's my favorite neighborhood. A close second is actually where we are right now. Mount Pleasant is just burgeoning. It's it's unbelievable, especially the. Uh, sort of all the new high-tech office and, and stuff going on down in the False Creek Flats and Emily Carr and just, I mean, this neighborhood is 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 incredible. So this would be a close second and then honorable mention to New Westminster. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite bar or restaurant? Um, really like Italian. So I'm going to say a tie between my local neighborhood haunt, uh, La Quercia and Savio Volpe. Nice. Honorable mention again to El Santo in New Westminster. Great, great Mexican <laughs> place. Um, question number three. First place that you bring someone from out of town? Well, I think for, uh, you know, Vancouver's spectacular nature, uh, you know, it's either the Stanley Park Seawall or Grouse Mountain. Good answer. Downtown Pentos or Westside Mansion? Yeah, we have a difference of opinion in our family. I would uh, I would choose downtown penthouse all day long, but we don't live in a downtown penthouse. <laughs> we don't live in a Westside mansion either, but we do live in a single family house. Right. 
honorable mention to New West. Uh, and, and, uh, and last last but not least, what is something that you have purchased for under $500 in the past year or so that has had a major positive impact on your on your life or your day-to-day? So this could be an album, gadget, app, yeah. book. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I haven't, uh, it's not something I purchased for myself. I don't seem to ever buy anything for myself these days. But uh, but uh, my mother-in-law last Christmas got me a sous vide oh, machine. Nice. It's like a, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, a little hundred dollar slow... gadget that you, you put in a, in a pot of water and then you can you, you set it and forget it and you throw a steak in there or whatever. And it just makes, it's unbelievable. I'm not a, a good cook or anything like that. and But that enables me to make you know, really nice wow. steaks or actually been able to duplicate the, uh, the Starbucks sous vide egg bites. That are oh, somewhere. wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's Those are really good. That got your attention. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, so I, that's, that's, that was probably the best gift I've received. And some of the best chicken ever is the sous vide. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's unbelievable. It just slow cooks in its own juices, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm Man. always, I'm aspiring to, to cook more all the time. So that's a, that's a good one for me. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. But uh, Richard, how can people find out more about you and about Domus Homes? Uh, well, uh, yeah, Domus, uh, www.domushomes.ca and uh, come visit uh, visit us at any of our presentation centers right now. We've got the Ovation Presentation Center at 1001 Columbia Street. It's, it's beautiful. Um, we're really proud of it and we encourage anybody to come out and just take a look. Yeah. Perfect. And, and we should say uh, follow Richard on, on Twitter for sure because you're quite active and it's an interesting feed for sure sure yeah you can look me up there excellent thanks again so there you have it folks our discussion with richard whitstock principal and co-founder of domus homes super interesting having a conversation with richard matt especially about kind of the origins of domus and like how he got into real estate his start Really, really fascinating story. Yeah, and you know what? I I also liked uh, his approach to kind of creating buildings, kind of the lived environment is really interesting. And he's kind of really on the ground or hands-on, I should say, in terms of of building those uh, communities. And then last but not least, kind of a moderate, reasonable... Uh, voice in, in the Vancouver real estate scene that uh, is is just a breath of fresh air. Definitely refreshing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll just remind everybody, we also had Richard on our Vancouver Presale Condos podcast, also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You know where else it's available, Adam? Where is that, Matt? VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Matt, thanks for mentioning that. So head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We've got so many resources there. We've got amazing stuff for you there. And what else do we got before we cut for the day? What else do we got? Last but not least, uh, I'm going to Fort St. John. You are, Matt. Bring a parka. I'm going on the 26th of... It's a Saturday. Bring a personal heater. Uh, 26th. Flying up, flying down. I am super excited about Cambridge Estates. Uh, I'm not the only one. There's a bunch of people excited about that. And uh, this tour is going to be fantastic. So if you want more information about that, definitely give me a shout anytime or sign up at the website vancouverrealestatepodcast.com but you can call me at 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com they got those little packets for your hands that you can break you know what i was in winnipeg they actually they i oh well no people with me were using them and i was freezing um but yeah (laughs) cool story good story bro (laughs) i think it's a cool story bro
<laughs> I know it because my wife says it to me after almost everything I say. Uh, and you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And we also got that secret screen line. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. You know, there's Matt. I should and just quickly before we cut, there's there's actually a referendum out there that we should change Secret Scalina to Pee Wee Scalina. Yeah, yeah, there's the the drumbeat for changing the name is uh, is getting overwhelming. Overwhelming, anyways. But uh, have a great week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. <laughs>